Listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And it's February. And some of you may have noticed last February we did a focus on albums featuring field recordings. And we're continuing that this February by discussing Chris Watson's weather report from 2003. One of the, I have to imagine, better known field recording records out there. Uh, just because of Chris's involvement in Cabaret Voltaire and his work for the BBC and his own storied musical history and tons of great field recording albums, including uh, El Trend Phantasma, Outside the Circle of Fire, just a bunch of great records. And this is the first record in which he used his field recordings in more of a compositional sense and structured tracks instead of using just discrete field recordings and presenting them as they are. These are compositions utilizing all of his field recordings from various locations. And each track actually has a specific location tied to it, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we go through the tracks. Connelly's, how are you doing? We are doing fantastic. And I know particularly my better half is doing very fantastic because we are very much in a world that she enjoys <laughs> stepping into. This is true. I don't even know where to start. Um, and I I am just thrilled. I love the sounds of birds. I love the sounds of animals uh, in their habitat. Uh, and I'm very excited to discuss this. And, you know, Chris Watson has done work on the program Chernobyl, on Life of Birds, on the Blue Planet, on Frozen Planet, like many Attenborough ventures and, and how exciting. And, and in order to do that, I mean, you really, really have to have a, a focus on proper recording. So in terms of field recording, this is an extreme gentleman. Very much so. And his journeys are as extreme. The places he takes himself, many times in total isolation, while he may go with a group of people or a crew, many times he would go out on his own to gather these recordings. Yeah. And he said in many interviews that he prefers to record these places immersively and on his own. And Gray, you pointed out that this is the first album of his that is a composition album utilizing the recordings he did in the field. And there's a particular piece that was a big inspiration to him that we are going to discuss in the extra segment. And that would be Etude au Chemin de Fer uh, by Pierre Schaeffer. Which was also a piece that was composed utilizing recordings. In that case, recordings of trains, which would be the focus of his album El Tren Phantasma. And that story is amazing on its own because it, it was the the swan song, the final run of this train that went coast to coast across Mexico from ocean to ocean. And he essentially lived on the train and, and caught the the last sounds that this, you know, historic route 
would hear. Very cool album. But we start a little earlier in his discography in 2003 with Weather Report. Now, his first solo album was 96, Stepping Into the Dark, which was a little bit after his time in Cabaret Voltaire, but Mm -hmm. he was working on recording and sound recording that entire time. Yeah, he left Cabaret Voltaire in 1981, uh, at which time they'd put out a couple records, uh, Live at the YMCA. I think the proximity to actual music or rock and roll scene at that time drove him away from the band. And he embarked on a career of sound recording and field recording and, and working on a lot of radio programs and television programs and had been doing that for years before starting to release albums again. And I think his path is a very interesting one. And we've seen a lot of industrial luminaries go from their place in a band to, you know, Graham Ravel scoring movies and television and Brian Lussmore and, and Chris Watson is in that same category of people who were there at the beginning of something and have continued on in their own unique path and made it into even popular consciousness without maybe them knowing it. Right. And and I love this story from Electronic Sound, Issue 79, A Beginner's Guide to Field Recording. Um, that story of Chris Watson being at Top of the Pops and just thinking, why am I here? I would rather be alone doing field recordings. And then at that moment, made the decision that life is too short. And yes, this is what I should be doing. Even, even now, currently, from January 21st to February 7th, you cannot contact Chris Watson because he is recording... The sounds of humpback whales, because as we all know, it is time for that glorious humpback migration from the Arctic regions down to Mexico and Hawaii, January through March every year. Just so glorious. And that is where he is now. And he is not contactable. I love that he's recording the sounds of humpback whales. Uh, One of the first field recording records, probably the first field recording record I ever purchased was the Songs of the Humpback Whale record, which I would imagine a lot of our listeners also have uh, encountered at thrift stores over the many decades. And such a unique and unusual record, especially when you only know records for music or for educational purposes when you're younger, discovering something like that and realizing that there are sounds that as a, an average person, you may never hear in their natural habitat. And we're going to mm-hmm. hear a lot of sounds like that on Weather Report. I did want to note, though, we keep mentioning Cabaret Voltaire as being his former band, but he was also in another very important band in the 80s. Absolutely. That being the Hafler Trio. So important to also note that. And the world of Hafler Trio is such a giant, deep world, something that we absolutely will get to at some point, but it's a big undertaking it's 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 quite an undertaking yeah i think halfway trio is one of the toughest nuts to crack and have been a favorite of mine for a long time but it's such an enigmatic project andrew mckenzie and just all the recorded output of halfway trio is so vast and varied and 
yeah, one day. I can't imagine doing one episode alone. It would take, yeah. it would take a yeah, lot. Yeah, to be honest, we we, there was a time that we did <laughs> contemplate an attempt to do an episode and we realized that we were in over our heads and this it was it something nearly we broke to me. take our I time. got some information that I'm still sitting on, but we it, it's going to yeah, happen. It will happen, but it was simply we felt that we needed to take our time to do mm -hmm. it right. It was not a rush job. Yes. Not that we ever do rush jobs, but that particularly was. <laughs> we didn't want to. A a deep, deep well. But Chris Watson, weather report. Are you going to pronounce the title of this first track, Connolly? Oh, you can believe I won't. <laughs> Ololulo. Uh <laughs> So you, the way you said it now, that sounded simple. Now I, I, could I could have done it. I could have done it. But again, you know, this, this is in, um, a dialect of the Maasai peoples. And, and so inflection is incredibly important. And so I, I'm not really sure where to place the inflection of, of these, um, syllables. So I will, I will just, use what I've, what I've heard, uh, online and that's Ololulo. Ololulo. And that is an escarpment, uh, which is also known as, you know, a cliff, a sudden rise in elevation. And it is on the Maasai Mara National Reserve. And Mara means spotted because as you look out over the preserve and you see, you know, this semi-flat landscape aside from the escarpment, you see these little dark spots and those are Akasha trees that randomly spot the environment. You well, let's, let's also set the stage of what country are we in? Because in Kenya, let's be clear that each of these tracks is from a different country, correct? Correct. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't contextualize that enough. The Maasai Mara National Reserve is in Kenya. It borders Tanzania. So people were probably more familiar with the Serengeti national park. So this kind of bumps up next to the Serengeti gotcha. national park. And, and what's remarkable about this Ololulo escarpment in this area is that it does get more rainfall than the areas around it because of its elevation. And, and I do think that we hear that in this weather report from the region. I also want to note that there are so many different types of animals in this area. There are lions, there are leopards, there's elephants, there's buffalo, there's rhino, there's cheetah, there's hyena, jackal, wildebeest, zebras, giraffes, water bucks. Like there's so many, so many different types of animals. There aren't many wild dogs because the lions tend to take care of those. So on the moments that you think you may hear a wild dog in this recording, you may want to think again and think of something more like a hyena, which is, you know, kind of akin to a dog. Well, this track starts out with some heavy grunting. What is that? What do you think it is, Tara? Well, you know, I think, I think that's the joy of this is just, you know, kind of drinking in the, the weight of the sound and imagining what it is. It's a big, big animal. I mean, to me, the beginning sounds like the, the deep tones of a, a male lion's call. And, you know, I'm sure everybody knows this already, but the, the lions have this kind of guttural call. And when you see that MGM opening scene, that's a tiger. It's not a lion. They don't. Oh, right. The roar on MGM yeah. is not a lion. It's a tiger. Yeah, they, they, their sound is, is 
different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's much, much deeper. And it sounded to me like a male lion's call, but I don't know. But all of these are definitely, you know, amalgamations and smooshed together. Right. Keeping in mm-hmm. mind that this, this is composed. So there may mm-hmm. be layering. There yes. may be after. But I think that this first part of this 18 minute piece, you really get just a feel of big animals. You know, you feel these low grunting calls and then maybe the panting and snorting of a buffalo. And, you know, this is right before we hear the weather start to break. Yes, the storm is approaching. And we get thunder rolling in and we hear the movement of herding animals and we hear, you know, the mooing of cattle and we hear you know, flies, which, you know, I associate with cattle and, and you know that you can hear, you know, voices of people of the region. And when you hear that little bell, I'm sure we all are familiar with the herding bells. You you don't want to lose your cows, especially, you know, as they wander about. So you generally your lead cow uh, and sometimes all of them, you, you fashion them with, with some sound making device so that you can, you know, audibly keep track of them as they move throughout the world. You don't want to lose them. Precious, precious beasts. Well, we hear some of that hurting perhaps, right? There's conversation mm-hmm. on yeah, this piece. Definitely. And uh, in a language I am not familiar with, so cannot make out. But yeah, I hear the flies. I, th- I thought I heard pigs. It could be some sort yeah, of- Yeah, pigs. Pigs, okay. I don't know if it's some cow noise I'm just unfamiliar with. Or... Yeah, these are, and those would be domesticated pigs too that, that people would also keep. Or, you know, I don't know what a wildebeest sounds like. And until you use it in a serious context, listing the animals that could be present on this, I didn't know that a wildebeest was a real thing. I have <laughs> since since looked, looked them up. They look pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> they, they're kind of doofy. Like they have really long legs. Uh, and they went, they're pretty gangly. Uh, I love wildebeest, but you know, something that I think is remarkable and just every time I hear them, I'm in awe. And that's the sounds of hyenas because they, at times they can sound, they're very, uh, vocal because they're pack animals and they're always talking to each other. And hyenas can be so troublesome because they're, they're clever and they get into, you know, herd animals and they, they really, they're scavengers, but they're opportunistic feeders. And, and the sounds that they make to each other can sound human at times and they can sound like laughing and they can sound like crying and they can sound like a baby. Uh, and they're just really, really insane, insane sounds. Um, and at one point I was wondering if there was a chatter of a cheetah, like a cheetah makes this sound that's kind of sounds like a clicking cat purr, uh, when they're communicating to each other. But again, it could be that thing where you're just imagining what's going on. And that's, again, the these amazing field recordings with such a density of sound really take you on a flight of your imagination. And as I was listening to all of these tracks, I was just so overjoyed of being in places that have nothing to do with me, you know, like, right, right. like none of these, none of these people require me in any way, just such a different sort of existence, even down to the animals, even the people not even being aware of my existence. I love that. I love thinking of different like secret pockets of the world that just exist on their own. And I think that this weather report, all of these little pockets exist in that way. The track is very chaotic. There's a lot of growls and 
shrieks and yelps. Oh, and the beeping bird. So what is that? I was actually leading to ask you that. It's like you read my mind because there was a sound that really felt like electronics. Yeah. It sounded like a pinging of a synth. So that's a bird. I, I assume it's a bird. Again, I didn't want to um, get to like explainy for lack of a better word. I don't, uh, I, I didn't want to over, over explain everything and then go down to like what species and sure, bird sure, it sure. was, but you know, I, I guess it could be a frog or some sort of insect because they will make beeps like that. But you know, I, I can think of a few birds, especially in that area that make these sounds. There's even this one bird that makes a sound that sounds like R2-D2. It like abs- actually sounds it, like electronics. Like it robot, sounds, robotic. yeah, I played it for Mike and yeah. it sounds so insane and it really, really sounds robotic. And so I assume that this is a bird and, and having that type of call can really cover some ground. And I know that Chris Watson mentions this in so many interviews that, you know, in water, sound travels five times faster than it does on land. So for a bird to have to like cover like something like a prairie. Sure, um, it has to be. a vast expanse of land. You got to cut through a lot and you have to be so, so loud. And so I think that's what we're hearing there is this really, really um, massive sound of a bird just cutting through. And this recording was made on the 17th of October in 2002 from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. And October is just the beginning of the short rainy season, as they say. It's like you have short rains instead of like long torrential rains. So from November to December. So this is just the beginning of those, the period of short rains that occurs in the area. And it feels like the storm is just beginning. that thunder is so epic. Because you're like, what is it? It does feel like the base of electronics, you know? Yeah. Like it, I would love to make that sound. Like it's so cool as it's coming in. You're like, oh my God, beautiful crumbling base. Oh, oh wait, that's just massive thunder rolling across a plane. Yeah. The storm really kicks up in the second half of this piece, right? Right around the nine minute mark. And all three of the pieces on this album are 18 minutes ish. And we also hear, you know, Terry, you mentioned frogs. I hear cicadas in here. There's also dripping sounds, clinking sounds. There's almost a rhythmic nature to some of the stuff in the latter half of this piece that from the get-go, I think it's a little jarring with the animal grunts and and the conversation and the bells. It's kind of a maelstrom of sound that, that spins you in. But once you're settled into it, this... Th- whole thing starts to captivate you and transport you and you just get lost in the listening of it, which is one of the things I love about field recordings and also compositional works using field recordings. And in this case, exclusively field recordings, but I'm, I'm just lulled into this atmosphere and this place that I have never been and only seen in pictures and video and have never felt the temperature, the humidity, the scent, the any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's opens our imagination, right, to what these places might be like. We create our own fantasy of these locations. And that's oh, actually one of the reasons I really love the title of this too, Weather Report. Factual information, right? Weather Report. It's Yeah, and even the cover has that lovely upper air map 
that's that's juxtaposed with an actual nighttime photograph and and even the photography of on the album itself the artwork are all photographs taken on location and they are just absolutely gorgeous we should also mention this is released by touch who releases most if not all of chris watson's output and of course the cover tara's talking about designed by john wosencroft who uh, we talked about with mike harding when we did our interview with him about the history of the touch label the insects play us out calmly after the chaos of most of this track i enjoyed the way this track comes to a close yeah quite a serene end here from the different places that we've been taken the different sounds we've heard and experienced and it lets us down easy, but it's sort of a false sense of security we get because, oh, I'm not going to pronounce this one. Skor ne Lepish uh, is the, the, you know, the full title or this track title is just the Lepish. Uh, and that is in the Northwest Highlands of Scotland, it has an elevation of 3,773 feet, and there is no higher ground to the north of it in Great Britain. There's that roar and splash, and we are treated to a torrential downpour as this piece begins. Fully. The wind, the waves, the water come rushing. Yeah, and when I think of Scottish Highlands, I do think of, you know, wild winds and uncertain weather and and really kind of treacherous weather that that comes at you quickly, and, and this is not... An exception. It was recorded from September to December, uh, so it captures the fall into the autumn season in the region. And it is so wet and it's so wild. And that just continuous thunder as the track opens is is so it dwarfs you, you know, as a person. It starts to feel so vast. Uh, it's very spacious. Yeah, the sense of scale on this piece is massive. And you feel like you're isolated up high and in the middle of a storm. But there's also a lot of detail. There's birds at the start, but they sort of fade out and spin down as the storm keeps going and the winds keep whipping. But I also heard gulls Mm -hmm. throughout this piece. And there's also these minute crinkling Sounds. I'm not sure if it's rain up close hitting something or uh, a fire. I can't tell what it is, and it kept me guessing and keeps my imagination working while listening. And then there's that bird that sounds like an alarm is going off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of wild seabirds and land birds. I mean, again, there, there are so, so many... Uh, different types of birds here. So on Skor Nalapish, we have the golden eagle, we have ptarmigans, we have red kites, we have puffins, there are tits, there are wax wings, there are different types of warblers, and there are Icelandic gulls, which we definitely hear the cackling of a gull at one point. Gulls have a crazy sound to them. Yeah. It's unnerving. They are. Oh, we, yeah. We, I grew up around seagulls. I can only imagine 
Uh, what an Icelandic gull. Well, I don't have to imagine. I can hear it on this. There's yeah. a lot of transitions, too, in this track. At around 4.10 or so, it cuts into a totally different zone. Mm-hmm. And then around 10 minutes, there's another zone that happens. So the compositional nature of these tracks is very exciting to me. And I enjoy the recontextualization of these sounds through that. And I think it really just showcases the variety of things that you might hear, the variety in the landscape that, you know, possibly you could miss. I mean, when we were listening, I was just, you know, I I was thinking how we are so inundated with sound now that you know, we, we tune out so much, like how frequently do we tune out the sound of the local birds in our area? How frequently do we tune out the sound that nature would make? Like maybe the trees rocking in the wind or any, you know, water activity that's happening nearby. And, you know, I think that listening to something this kind of recenters you and, and you get to go on a journey in your mind when you're I'm actually immersed in a landscape instead of actively trying to ignore it. Uh, and, and I, and I think it makes us use that listening for a different purpose than we normally would. And it's one of the things that I enjoy about an, an album such as this. There's some real heavy animals in the second half of this track. And I think they're cows. Yeah, the is cows that, and the Is the that about wrestling. what you guys are hearing too? Yeah. yeah it felt but, like some big old heavy cows. Yeah, and and there are, you know, black cows in the area, but I it does feel as though the recording device is in the middle of a herd of cows because you can hear their hooves just like hitting the ground and moving grass and and just feel the weight of that beast on the earth. There's also just a constant din of a wind behind them or, you know, heavy air movement going on. So while you're in the middle of this herd, you're also hearing or your senses are overtaken with the pressure around you and outside of that area, too. But it doesn't stay like that constantly. It ends on more of a hollow drone wind sound to this one, which I've really like the the end of the end of both of these pieces are nice and kind of pleasant letdowns which won't be the case on the next track <laughs> but <laughs> the these first two definitely move through a lot of spaces and then settle in at the very end to ease you out and this one uh does a, a wonderful job well tara you're on duty let's hear it how are you pronouncing <laughs> The third track. Well, I, I will not do it justice, but essentially it's Vatna Jokosh, which is generally just referred to as the Vatna Glacier, if you would like to abbreviate it. And Vatna Jokosh means the glacier of lakes. And it is in Iceland. The highest peak in Iceland is there. It is the largest ice cap in Iceland. And it is 8% of the entire country. Mike, wouldn't you say it's remarkably large? It's very large. Tara showed me a map of it and it is takes up an incredible amount of the country. Yeah, it's it's absolutely vast and it's voluminous. 
and it is geologically active. Of course, just like we know Iceland to be, there are several volcanoes under this ice cap, which, you know, can cause large pockets of water to develop under the ice cap. And occasionally they release that water and we get a jokolaup, jokolaup, which again, I'm pronouncing so badly, but that is when the geological activity under an ice cap melts the water and then the water bursts forth, not like a geyser, but more like a sudden river that is flowing out from underneath and it is wild. So again, this is ancient terrain, ancient ice, and all of those just massive, massive forces of nature that dwarf our existence. This glacier, and I I have to imagine all all glaciers, this one sounds awesome. Yeah, this is right away. This is my personal favorite track on the CD. That creaking of the ice, the movement of the ice, that eerie atmosphere spoke directly to me. It sounds like like bending a a ship or a galleon or something, like the wood creaking, but you know that it's ice. It's ice creaking. It's such a strange and unique sound and it's a ghost galleon really low atmosphere and bassy and heavy for the beginning part and then we soar up to these majestic tones after this initial movement of the the creaking and i was taken to the uh, aeolian wind harp type of recordings with the way that this sounded it was very pretty very resonant and and it felt really majestic i i guess i imagined being near the base of a glacier and hearing this creaking and then moving towards the top and being at the top and that having that view and the atmosphere of that uh sort of possessing you with joy was how i how this happened in my brain while i was listening to it And I imagine that the first uh, portion of this 18-minute track is recorded with a hydrophone. Again, I I don't know, but to me it sounds like other, you know, underwater uh, glacial sounds that I've heard in the past. And that crashing as maybe the calving of an iceberg happens or a chunk falls off into the water. It's just, it's such an amazing sound. And and definitely it feels like that, but I, I don't have any confirmation. And yes, then you kind of soar above water and you get the lovely chatter of birds. And the, the reason that you hear mostly birds uh, in this area is that originally in Iceland, the only mammal that lived on Iceland was the Arctic fox. Uh, there are other mammals, of course, that live there now, such as humans and cows and, you know, all of the other things rodents that we bring with us but originally it was just foxes and birds no lizards no reptiles it's too cold they're cold-blooded doesn't work uh there are seals uh that that are present and although i don't think they're on this track if anybody wants to hear a really cool sound look up the sound of weddell seals they also they sound like sonar weddell seals um, are one of those things that just sound like electronic blips. They sound like the sonar of submarines. They are so freaking cool. There are parts in this that I felt very synth-like. 
Oh, maybe they were seals. They live around here. And to me, there was three movements with that, the glacier creaking of the ice, that eerie atmosphere. Then, like you guys are saying, the soaring into where there's birds chirping. To me, it was birds chirping in the dark. I only had pictured most of this track at night. Just that's where my visuals went in this Sonic story. And then the third part being moving into the light, moving into the day, the full open ocean, the gulls all soaring around. The end portion of this, the last movement, it, it, the, the coming out, coming out of the birds and the latter end of things, there's this power hiss is how I noted it. This atmosphere, but that cuts and then, it it becomes chaos, and yes. I I wrote attack birds in my notes because <laughs> it felt very very aggressive with the birds and the sounds that are going on as we transition to this portion. But then there's also still the waves start off gently lapping and become more and more turbulent. And at the end of the piece, Tara, you said you don't think there's seals on here. I wrote WTF seal. There has to be a seal at the end. I, <laughs> the gargling. The, that the gargling like shrieking song. at the end. Oh, maybe. I mean, birds make a, a wild uh, variety of sounds. This has to be a seal. And seabirds especially, they get, there's just such a wild cacophony. And and again, the, the chattering and the splashing it just gives you, again, such a sense of space because you hear so many birds. Like, it's not like two birds calling to each other. It, it's like 50 birds over a long range of territory just chattering incessantly. And I love the gargle part. And I, and I only, I, I was thinking seal, but then I'm like, you know, when there are um, fissures and caves under an area of water and the water sloshes back and then sloshes in and it makes that strange burping sound. I was just picturing just this really active moving water over, you know, a Swiss cheese of a glacier. That water and wind also adds to the chaos of the end. It is just wild. It does. It does. It, the This is the noisiest piece it's on so here. Definitely. Especially by the end. Because yes. at first, it's the darkest, eeriest piece. Yes. And it continues to grow to chaos. So in general, the structure of this track and the trajectory of this track, yeah, very much an industrial track. Mm -hmm. And and I really want to take a moment to appreciate the circumstances by which he's collecting these sounds, like going to freezing temperatures. And I know that this, you know, wasn't necessarily recorded like in the negative 20 but, but to negative 40 in Antarctica, but Chris Watson has done that. And even in, in that uh, interview we referenced earlier, you know, telling stories about grabbing the XLR and not realizing that if he wasn't wearing his gloves, his fingers immediately fused to the frigidly cold metal um, <sighs> and resulted in him pulling his fingers off and having having his skin ripped off. Yeah. Once I, I licked, feel it. I have the, I just had the the yeah. shot of that went through my body. I got dared <sighs> to lick a frozen door once and I did it and it ripped every little taste bite I off my tongue. I did not dare her. That was, it that was, was not my, before my time. Very much before. It was actually my freezer door. And the, as long as we had that freezer, you could see my 
tongue oh, impression must have been your on brother it. Doing it was that. my brother. That's it was an older hilarious. brother thing to do. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, <laughs> so I can only imagine. I didn't think it would work, but I can only imagine what that felt like and the shock of having that, and even down to it being so cold that his cables would shatter. You know, and 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 even think about being at uh, Ololulo. You know, like you're you're there, and and let's say something breaks down, you forget a cable. You lose your cable. You're packing it up. You're going to the next site. You know, you don't have a battery pack. What do you do? You can't fix it. When you're you, can't, there, you don't you call know? ahead to the sound guy at the next yeah, venue. You know, it's you're just, out there. You're just like in the, the wild. And then, but the patience required too. I mean, because you can't be making a lot of noise and rustling around. I mean, you have to set this up with patience and wait. And, and it takes a special type of person to be able to sit on a mountainside for 14 hours trying to document the different types of sounds required. You know, I've I've always just like all of these documentarians that like collect, you know, bird dances and things of that nature. It's like, do you know how many days they had to sit in a bird hide to see that thing? Like, can you imagine being there somewhere for four days waiting for, you know, a bird to try to mate with another bird and no bird shows up and you're just sitting there and you're like, what am I doing with my life? You can't make a sound. You can't do anything. You're not like scrolling on your phone. Uh, so it really, really takes a certain type of person to endure harsh climates, to brave harsh animals, to have the absolute patience to collect sounds like this. And they are beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful and they're dark, especially when put together in a way or that's the way I go with my own visualization and how I take these things. I always head into the darkness, but with field recordings and with the way these are presented, that's the, the beauty is the listener puts their own vision, their own ideas into it. So there's no right or wrong. It's just the way each individual takes it when listening to it. Yeah. It's a reminder to not overlook things that you think are mundane and what you get out of something can be, you know, the effort that you put into it or just that only effort can be just to notice it and to appreciate it and to sit with silence for any period of time, which is, you know, increasingly rare in our modern lives. I love this record. Uh, I think that Anyone interested in what we're describing should check it out. It is on Chris Watson's Bandcamp. You can hear the entire thing. And you should also listen to his other recordings, La Trent Fantasma, Outside the Circle of Fire. He did a record called Star Switch On with Mika Vanio, with Mika Vanio, Biosphere, Fenez, Philip Jack, Hazard, and AER, which is John Wilsoncroft's audio project. So this is. All of these are worth checking out. All of them are up on Chris Watson's Bandcamp. So we will link to to that. You can go to chriswatson.net and it's pretty comprehensive of his activities, the sound installations, his prior works and pieces. You can read more detail about everything. Um, I I thought it was fascinating. And if I'm not mistaken, he actually played a live set not too long ago, which was rare. He hadn't done that. Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, it was a unique performance at unsound in the electronic music interview he talks about doing some performances and lectures but i think they're fairly few and far between they require the right circumstances well yeah really cool 
field recording album to explore in this cold month of February. Get out there in your mind into all these different places that field recording albums can take you. Anything we talked about last year, of course, is always great. Eric LaCasa and Lionel Marchetti's Ground Fault CDs all fit the bill. But it was exciting to talk about this record last year for sure. Chris Watson was the name that we knew that we needed to get to next time we were in a field recording zone. And Weather Report fit that bill perfectly. We're going to go head over to the Patreon and discuss a piece that was a huge inspiration on Chris Watson. So join us over there for the extra noise, extra segment and join us here week in week out as we have a lot of great stuff getting set up behind the scenes as we always do. So we'll be here. You'll be here. Now let's go over there. You have been listening to noise extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 20 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.